Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just love the fact that you picked Duran Duran and and I I bought the Andy Taylor solo record, which um, went with a movie. I don't know if you remember the movie American Anthem with gymnast Mitch Gaylord and Janet Jones. It was a fine movie. Um, Everything about that sentence hurt my feelings. As soon as you said Andy Taylor, I was starting to get injured, and then you just kept going. It kept getting worse. And that was then, magical. That was a magical sentence of eight of nineteen eighty five. Come then, to life. And uh, you're talking about the streets. I I I bought the Wham Rap uh, album. I was all in on Wham Rap, and and could could probably rap it for you all right now. Fifty years of music with fifty year old white guys. Welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys, the second half of the Birmingham, England podcast. Uh, you've heard our favorite song, you've heard uh, the arrival song and the compilation. Now we're going to get to our picks. Before we get to them, uh, two things we have to clear up. We have to have a closest to the pin contest because you guys aren't going to believe this. Do you know what European city has the most parks out of any European city? No, I have no idea. Don't say Birmingham. It's don't Birmingham, say, England. Don't say it. It don't is. Say it. Did you get that from the Birmingham Wikipedia page or the Birmingham <laughs> Chamber of Commerce? Because that's a fucking lie, and there's no way it's true. <laughs> Closest to the pin. I'll put it there. No, I'm not going to play this game. By the way, you know how you get to that? You're like, we yeah. have this park, and then each bench in the park is its own park. It's... 85 benches, so 85 parks. How many parks does Knoxville, Tennessee have, do you think? Ooh. Get this up? I'm going to look it up right now. No, you uh, listen, uh, give me a second. I'll ask the mayor. I'll have that information for you next podcast. All right, Jeff Simons, how many parks does Birmingham, England claim to have? Uh, 374. I'm going to take over. It's over that for sure. The claim it is, is over. Yeah, you do believe them. It's no, no, 500. I, believe I believe I know that they're claim if they're claiming to be have the most parks of any city in Europe, I know that they're boosting it big time. 571. Uh the largest urban park in Europe, according to Birmingham, England. It seems lovely. 
I would like to go there. I would like to visit. I think you're not going to go uh, with Ben. <laughs> he seems down <laughs> on the whole not. enterprise. He really is. He really is. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, favorite park ever? Go. Favorite park the whole ever? world? Yeah, go. Favorite park? Uh, so Knoxville, Tennessee has a oh, spectacular God. series of parks that are gathered under the name the Urban Wilderness. And so in South Knoxville... They have all of this like rocky, craggy land that's not useful for farming or for building things on because it's very hilly and rocky. So it just sat unused. And then now they've turned them into spectacular parks. So it's like huh. in Knoxville, Tennessee, there's like actual legit wilderness. Like you, like the cicadas are going nuts. You feel like you are far, far, far away and you're 10 minutes from downtown. It's beautiful. Love it. And a huge chunk of it's right that up against great. the river. So spectacular. Dude, they've had uh, world-class, world championship mountain biking stuff. There's a 15-mile yeah. mountain biking loop, all dirt trail uh, that runs through the urban wilderness in a loop. And it's it's gorgeous. Knoxville, Tennessee, awesome. man. I like it. What's your, what's your favorite park, Tim? We went to that uh, Cuyahoga National Park outside Cleveland. Like the idea oh, of, yeah. uh, in the late 60s and early 70s that every metropolitan area is going to have a, a chance, like Ben's saying, to experience wilderness and have a park like that. I mean, that was the goal uh, with the environmental movement in the early 70s. Um, and boy, Cleveland did it really well. It was spectacular. We just visited that this summer. Uh, but my favorite park was the the one in England where you pulled your hamstring. Oh, that was brutal. That was Hyde, Hyde Park. That would that really hurt. Dark memory. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Jeff. Any answers? You good? Uh, I like that park in Oxford where we played frisbee and soccer every afternoon. And Emerson very... found people to wrestle with. Yes, that that <laughs> excellent. <laughs> the impromptu outdoor wrestling. wrestling. It was really uh, had, to, had to be seen to be believed. There's no doubt about it. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, it's our three picks. We get artists, albums, events, concert venues, whatever we want uh, after after doing our research in Birmingham, England. But none of us are picking Steve Winwood. Uh, Jeff Simons, is this a time where you wish there was a fourth member of the podcast so Steve Winwood would get his due? I think Steve Winwood's gotten his due. Steve Winwood is like Z-League. He's been in what, like 150 different bands? But he's a spectacularly talented. He's 15 years old when he sings Give Me Some Lovin' for the Spencer Davis group. And then he's in Traffic. And then he's in Blind Faith. Uh, and then he has an incredibly solid solo career. Um, and he guests with a bunch of other people. I saw Steve Winwood open for Tom Petty in 2016. He did an hour and 15 minutes. They gave him a full set uh, and he was wow. great. He sounded great. He played organ and keys and sang and he played bass with his feet. Ray Manzarek style on the pedals. He came out and played guitar and lead guitar. Like he did everything but run behind the drum kit and take a big solo. <laughs> I mean, he's just a spectacularly talented dude. I wish he wrote songs that were just a little bit better. Like Traffic has half a dozen songs I like. There's like three solo Stevie Winwood songs I like. I actually really like the, I think the Blind Faith album is my favorite Stevie Win, Winwood moment. I love Can't Find My Way Home. Wow, really? You like that more than Back in the High Life? I just, I just totally disagree with that. I can't, you like that whole Back in the High Life record? I mean. No, of course I don't. Just that I, song. Okay, yeah, yeah. that song's no, great. No, and Higher Love is great too? Yep, but that's, then. now what? 
talking back to the night. I mean, right. like, there's... give me more than one good song on the stupid traffic record. Oh, I like the Well All Right cover. Blind I like Fate. Had to Cry Today. I like um, Can't Find My Way Home. And I, there's one other song on there that I like. I don't like Do What You Like. I don't like the 15 minute, like, we're out of songs. Let's just fill aside two with a bunch of random jamming. There's one other. Oh, Presence of the Lord. Presence of the Lord is a pretty song, too. That's pretty good, too. I don't know. Basically, uh, I put it like, so I like the um, solo material, especially the first record. As we've discussed, roll with it. He got a little out of hand. (laughs) Well, also, there's three records before what you're calling the first solo record that you don't even know about that are really bad. Talking Back to the Night and Ark of a Diver, which has... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of synths on those records. I consider him to be overrated his entire career. That's that's where I would take it. Um, I don't really care for the traffic stuff. I don't care for the blind faith stuff. Um, and I have a, a, a example, A1 of being overrated. Jeff Simons. What song did he play on with Jimi Hendrix? Oh, Voodoo Child. Not Slight Return, but the original Voodoo Child, yeah. the 11-minute one. Yeah. And how's that? That's <laughs> a little long. How's that? <laughs> that's bad. It's bad. No, it's, it's bad. bad. That song is bad. It's boring. And the piano part in it is like just really tedious, super tedious. So he, uh. he comes in, he's in New York and, and Hendrix has him down in Electric Ladyland and they're there at two in the morning and they just have a long jam that they cut into this song. And that's how bad and boring this guy is, is that he created an 11 minute blues song with Jimi Hendrix that's not very good where wow. he does nothing nothing in the entire song there's not a great piano solo there's no great background vocals there's nothing from him i'm just gonna bring in low spark of high heeled boys quietly underneath your diatribe because it's gonna prove your point <laughs> um but he sounded like ray charles right wasn't that the whole thing there's this 15 year old kid who can do ray charles and everyone's like oh my god this is great but he just doesn't he doesn't have it here it comes. We got a little, we got a little Stevie, little traffic in the background. I just think he's a, t- a phenomenally talented guy, and but is not a right. But like, so what's his like? What's his best piano part? I'm glad he crushes that song. Let me hear that. Sh- I don't know. Oh, you should. You should not. You don't know this one. Okay. Well, you shouldn't have said what's his best piano part because he actually. I think he burns the house down on this. By song. the way, Jeff has stopped you probably play- hate it, but Jeff has stopped playing Low Spark of High Hill Boys. And no, well, we had to. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, I like. Oh this. yeah, this is good. I do know yeah. this song. Yeah. No, is that Spencer Davis? Who's he doing that with? No, that's Traffic. That's from traffic. the from John Barleycorn Must Die. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, I actually went back. I knew we were going to do this. Today. I went back and listened to that record. Oichi. The song John Barleycorn Must Die. I was like, why is he not already dead? I mean, can't we help? Can't you help me out here? I know. It's really amazing. Like, a guy is so. If, if Steve Winwood had sung lead for a guy who wrote great songs, it he would have been. Boy, was that yeah. his niche. She just didn't uh, didn't find it. Yeah. Well, he's keep he keeps trying. Maybe, maybe the next album. He also sold 56 million records. So, you know. He's not sweating us. I don't think he's too bummed yeah. about it. I think he's probably okay. Uh, by the way, does anyone remember the use of Can't Find My Way Home on 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp? Oh, no. One of the greatest episodes ever. <laughs> that slipped my mind. All right. Shoot. 
someone out there is nodding their heads right now, but not not my co-host. All right, well, let's get going. Uh, Jeff, do you go first this week? I'll go first. Um, I am going to pick against type. I am Mr. Guitar Bands from the 70s with hair and uh, uh, Wookiees playing lots of notes. I'm going completely the opposite direction. And I actually spent some time... I actually had to wrestle this band away from Ben. Ben wanted to do these guys too. But I think when I think of like the music I'm enjoying most as a 54-year-old that comes from this town, it's Duran Duran, everybody. Um, it's a very small window. It's a very small window. But I um I I don't like the hit singles from Rio. I freaking love the hit singles from rio <laughs> that second duran duran record is like the mtv explosion moment it's like and you can actually listen to three songs on side one right in a row they're all the same key they're all the same bpm so rio hungry like the wolf and hold back the rain are one song they just really a couple of chords around a little bit okay and uh that's just like a 15 minute like mtv Rock and roll summed up like right there. Boom. And you could throw Save a Prayer in there if you want to have a ballad. Oh, I love with that song. it. Right. Um, so Duran Duran, uh, School Friends, 1978, uh, formed by John Taylor, the bass player on lead guitar at that point. Uh, Nick Rhodes, the keyboard player, who is the mainstay. Nick Rhodes is the only uh, permanent member of Duran Duran. And uh, a bunch of friends cycle in and out. They play gigs. Um, does anybody know where the name comes from? Uh, how much, Jeff? Huh, I should. No, I don't. It's a character in Jane Fonda's movie Barbarella, gosh, which, uh... which played on the BBC for the first time in 1978 because it takes eight years for American movies to get to England in the 70s. So they're all watching it to see Jane Fonda prance around in a spaceship, and they like the guy says, I'm Dr. Duran Duran, and that. That's it. That's the name of the band. Um, <laughs> they get finally get the lineup together. Um, ben, how long is it between the five members of Duran Duran finally being solidified with Simon Laban as lead singer and a bidding war between three British record labels? From when they first formed? Yeah, from when that from when that five it's nineteen seventy eight is when the band forms. But how long between the first gig? With Roger Taylor on guitar, John moved over to bass, and Simon Laban on lead vocals. They play a gig. How long until there's a three-label bidding war for this band? Oh, is it a week? I mean, like, did it's, they go right up? It's four months. It's yeah. four it months really? between. Yeah. Wow. Between, like, like, hi, we're Duran Duran and uh, EMI and Parlophone and all these other uh, labels going. So they go in and they record a demo. And the demo is two songs. The first one is called Girls on Film. And the second one is called Is There Something I Should Know? And it's over. <laughs> like they wow. are instant superstars in England because they have become the poster boys for what's called the new romantic m music movement, which is okay. this kind of uh, gender bending. Uh, let's get away from the super macho Led Zeppelin uh who rolling stones thing and have kind of a softer gentler approach. but we're also not like we're not angry punk rockers either we are not angry punk rockers no. we're we're dressing up and wearing makeup because it's fun to look it's fun to look good 
we're watching what we wear we're fashionable and we're we're interested in having uh female fans like these these Uh fans are like wouldn't it be nice if there were women in the audience at our shows um and it's and um it explodes in england and you get like abc adam and the ants uh culture club like uh, 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 Haircut 100, like all of these bands just blow up. Interestingly enough, none of them break in America because America oh. Ender Bendy, let's get away from macho. Like America is still very comfortable with the idea of men and women. And right. uh, so huh. the first Duran Duran record flops in the United States. It doesn't go anywhere. Capital doesn't know what to do. Rio comes out in uh, March of 1982 and goes straight to number one in England and it can't get arrested in America. So they rebrand the group as a dance band, not a new romantic band. And they hire Russell Mulcahy to take Duran Duran to a Caribbean island and film a couple of music videos for this new emerging thing called MTV. And the Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf music videos rebrand these guys as like sex pot Lotharios for an American audience, even though Nick Rhodes could look anything less than that in those videos. And book no, boom, that, dude, the that, band that's not a rebranding. That's a correct out. Yeah, these, but it's these, also these, a, it's songs an, are, these, these songs are ripped off chic disco songs. Like yes, they, they are playing. They're playing that music, and that's the correct branding for them. But the, the, also critically, the record is completely remixed for a New York audience. With that in mind, Ben, they pump up the drums, they pull back the uh, they pull back the vocal, they bury the vocal a little bit. It's less of a pop mix and more of a dance rock mix, and that I prefer it because I'm an American. Oh yeah, schmuck, but. Um, but yeah, so Rio comes out and takes over the planet. And for a three or four year run there, everything Duran Duran does is a number one hit. The Reflex, uh, Union of the Snake. New Moon on Monday. Right. And then uh, A View to a Kill, the James Bond theme is yes. the end of the line. Uh, and then they go out, they play at Live Aid and play very, very badly. And Sam <laughs> Levon's, Levon's voice cracks on A View to a Kill. It's one of the greatest. Uh, go, go see it on YouTube. That poor bastard. Um, the but two boy, guys did MTV come along at the perfect time. For oh, them. like their then, videos are mini movies. The two Taylor guys split and form the Power Station with Robert yep. Palmer. They do the super group thing. Yeah. Um, does anybody know the name of the studio musician who replaces Roger Taylor in Duran Duran? Warren yeah. Cucurillo, who was Frank Zappa's lead guitar player in the 70s. Oh, no kidding. Oh, Duran Duran, which is hilarious. Anyway, um, these songs are great. They're, they will remain great. I plan to listen to the first side of Rio for the rest of my life. And uh, <laughs> why fight it? Uh, just get behind it. Here it is.
great stuff. I love that John Taylor, the bass player, is the angry, fired lead guitar player. And he's like, well, if I'm going to play bass, I'm going to play every fucking note in this song. <laughs> but it's great. That is such a fun bass line. I love playing that song. Um, and uh, and they're they're good. Like they're not they were beautiful guys and they get they get a bad rap for being like the Backstreet Boys of the 80s. But they could sing and play. Those songs are really well written. And they're I think they're great. Andy Taylor even had a solo career before the power station, I think. That I do not remember, but I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doubt may, you on that. I may know someone who bought uh his album. Wow. Messed <laughs> up. So um the song Rio is an all-timer, probably one of my two hundred favorite songs. I absolutely love that one. And then I like Hungry Like the Wolf. There's like a handful of other songs that I kind of like, but I mean, Rio to me is like head and shoulders above yeah. all the other ones. So good. Here's I got so to play, I got to sub in on drums in Ben's college band. Uh, oh, dude, we gig. did a burning up version. Oh Rio. my God. I could have so played good. it. I could have played it for an hour and a half. Just so you can get a little bit of a flavor for the dynamics of my college band. There were two guitarists, one of whom uh-huh. was good and one of them was bad. And you can guess which one I was. <laughs> Uh, my buddy Duff, the other guitarist, he worked out that like the looping keyboard part. He did that on the guitar with a digital delay. So he's creating that entire keyboard sound on the guitar with a wash of sound. It sounded so freaking great. And then I got that don't, 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 don't. And I had the um, much louder amp. So I would just drown out the rest of the band. It became just that noise. You could barely hear anything else. Uh, anyhow, people dance their, their butts off in that song. It's great. Hey, Jeff, I looked Hilarious. it up today because I was curious. What are the top, uh, just give me the top five most played Duran Duran songs on Spotify. Oh, it's going to make me upset. Um, well, I hope Rio and Hungry Life for Wolf are in there. I'm going right. to guess. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hungry Like the Wolf is number one. Okay. okay. 347 million plays. It's pretty good. Woo. Yeah. And um, then Rio's in a clump of a bunch of other songs, but you can count Rio as five if you felt like it. Okay. Then I'm going to say, uh, girl, uh, no, I'm going to say Come Undone is the Come weird... Undone is third with 157 million. So weird. Wow. I don't know why that's the case. Um, and then Reflex is going to be up there. No, Reflex is 58 million below Rio at 70 million. No way. Okay. So what am I huh. missing? Save yeah, a prayer? Is it one of the ballads? Uh Save a Prayer is 68 million. There's this clump of ones that are all around there. You're God. missing the number two one. Is it is it Girls on Film? Uh Girls on Film is number four, 95 million. Is there something I should know? Yeah, what is the ordinary one world? Two hundred million listens, dude. They're, they're that number gets two the, gets the gas songs. They're number terrible. two and three songs most played are from that shitty 1993 record, which they just named Duran Duran again, even though they already had a record called Duran Duran. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my god, that's so un- unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> I was like. I literally, I was like, that's a typo, right? And then I went and listened to those songs and I was like, oh, yeah. Ordinary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. song really sucks. That Ordinary oh, World song is bad. Awful. Awful. Bad. I, come on, Dunn's bad, too. What the hell is wrong with people? Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Oh, well. All now, right, we really, now I really sound like a 50-year-old man. What is wrong with people? What's funny about it is like the pretty boy models that they're from Birmingham and not from London. Like it's yeah, just sort yeah. of funny. 
Right. Like it's a working class, rough and tumble town and they don't rep that at all. Yep. No. We also have like, this is also the town of UB40 and like Steel Pulse. And there is that kind of um, softer side. No, no, no. But that's, that's the opposite. That's the immigrant stuff that's yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, that's, right that's, that's true. That's why the ska stuff is going on and why the, the, why the Jamaican stuff is really big there. If yeah. I were a bigger reggae fan, Steel Pulse would be a great choice. UB40 is unacceptable. If you choose UB40, Tim, I'm going to quit the podcast. I, that's the worst concert wow. I've ever paid money to see. They were you, so you boring. Saw them in, actually, I saw you know what he's going to choose, though, Jeff. You know what he's going to choose. Yeah, I know what he's going to choose. So we'll just you know, wait for just sitting right out there for Timmy. I know. Jump on it. He's going to We're going to have so much fun talking about ELO. It's going to be great. Anyway, Ben, go for it, Betty. Uh, so when I did the Fulbright in Slovenia, the first offer was to teach in Maribor, which is the second biggest city in Slovenia. And I went and talked to my friend who knows about Slovenia and got me hooked up. And she was like, oh, no, no, don't do that. And I was like, why? And she's like, no, 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 no. go to Ljubljana. Okay. And I was like, why? This is the second biggest city in Slovenia. And it's right next to the Alps. It looks like it's going to be really pretty. And she was like, there is no second biggest city in Slovenia. There's, there's only <laughs> one city. And this was a really big insight for me. And then when I got to that country, I was like, that's right. That's right. But then I actually looked at it and, you know, there's there's actually more countries where that's true than where it's not. And actually, as fate would have it, England is one of these countries like London is the so like in America, we divvy it up. New York is the financial capital. D.C. is the government capital. L.A. is the entertainment capital. And San Francisco, the Bay Area is the tech capital. Right. In Mexico, Mexico City is all of those things. Mm. Right. England, London is all of those things. In France, Paris is all of those things. And then like in Spain, you get like a Madrid, Barcelona battle a little bit. Like that's a legit one, two. In these other countries, there is no two to London. Um, when India started as mayor, the former mayor who was the governor of the state had a really interesting meeting with her. And he was like, one thing you need to think about is why Knoxville should exist. Like, what's the pitch for Knoxville? Hmm. Nashville has a clear pitch, and Nashville is going to be the next Atlanta. Like, Nashville's a boom town. Why is it that everyone in Knoxville shouldn't move to Nashville? And that's weirdly what London's like. It's like this, this like whirlpool just swirling in, sucking in all yeah. of the town from around the country. So first, that makes this project a little bit weird and hard. Like when you go through these these towns, I list my 20 favorite British bands and they're all from London. Yeah, right, right. Um, but that being said, there is some like gritty art that comes from these towns. And I really appreciate it when we had Giles on. Giles was like, oh, you should do Birmingham in the streets. That was his suggestion. So I'm just going to take him up on his suggestion. I liked his defense of Oasis as a gritty pub band from a scruffy city. And I liked it because it was not reflective of what that band sounds like at all. <laughs> right, right. It was inaccurate to me. Maybe that one song that he chose is like that, but that's not how I ever experienced Oasis. I experienced them as bloated rock stars. Actually, a little bit like Duran Duran, just like Pretty Boys. Um, mm -hmm. Streets are the opposite. So uh, the British hip-hop scene before the 2000s is a rather thin gruel. Hey, uh, they called it the Britpop scene, and there's a whole endless Wikipedia page with it. Okay, so several highlights from this we've already discussed. Yeah. Wham Rap is an example. Let's go. British band doing so rap. So great. 
Um, and then I don't even like Radio Clash. Like they put Radio Clash down there. That's not one of my favorite Clash songs. Um, and the big audio dynamite stuff where they're mumbling slash rapping, it's just not really for me. Like uh, I didn't really care for that. All of the early British hip hop stuff is like just a pale imitation of the US. Um, it's a little bit like Blondie uh, with Rapture. They're just like right. trying to do it and they can't do it. Um, two of the earliest names listed in the British pop scene. Jeff, you probably didn't know this. Did you know that Slick Rick and Young MC are Brit pop artists? I did not know I did that. Not, huh? That's because they would live there until they were three, and then they I moved. That's right. I mean, I like, was like, dude, this, I, like, I've seen Slick it Rick. Out. I know he doesn't have a British accent. Like he's <laughs> definitely not British. That's amazing. So. uh in the early 2000s, you get uh, Mike Skinner, a.k.a. Uh, the Streets. He's born in 1978 and grows up in a working class suburb of Birmingham. Lives a year in Australia, comes back. He is a, a multi-instrumentalist, basically just like playing around with a keyboard. He cuts a demo, sends it to a record shop owner slash a guy in London, gets signed, and he's off to the races. Uh, the uh, original Pirate Material is the first record um, and easily the best record. And so, and it actually, I mean, it's a little bit controversial because he's white, but it does several things that launch an actual British hip hop scene. The first thing is that he does not sound American. He's got a big, thick Birmingham accent and he okay. just plays into it. The second thing is he does not imitate what American rap music is about. Instead, this record, and one of the reasons why this record is good, is each song is just a long series of vignettes about what it's like to be drunk and poor in Birmingham. And uh, listeners of this podcast should know, I'm there for that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. Like, you're going to mumble in a thick, thick British accent about how shitty it is to be poor in Birmingham. I'm there. Where, where do I sign? Like, give me more of this material. <laughs> um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit not right. Like, the cover of the record is this huge housing project outside London. Um, and you, and as soon as you see the picture of it, you're like, oh, I get, I'm getting the scene for this for sure. Like it's a gigantic high rise with half of the lights on. Um, and it's just an old, it's like a, a, a project that would be not out of place. It's not out of place in, the, in um, Russia. It's not out of place in the suburbs of Britain. It's not out of place in the Bronx. Like that's what it looks like. It's a big warehouse. He did not actually grow up in the projects. He grew up working class, but still, I'm not going to argue with it. Um, and then he does all of the instruments to it. And it's got its own like little bit flavor to it. And because he does it in the accent, he's not imitating the rhythm or the beats of American rappers. It's like all slurred and messed up in his own way. Um, and so that's what I mean. He like sets the sets the new tone. And basically from the streets forward, there are a number of different British rap acts that I really, really like. Um, the streets actually falls off for me. Uh, the first record's the best, and then there's a handful of good songs after the later records, and then by the 2010, he's basically done in my mind. Um, and he kind of he takes a break from recording under that name and gets all weird and squirrely. All of that being said, first record, great, Jeff. If you will give us "Geezers Need Excitement," yeah, good choice. That, that's our our motto. Wow, I know, right? That's why we exist. Geezers need excitement. If their lives don't provide them, this they incite violence. Common sense. Simple common sense. Geezers need excitement. 
If their lives don't provide them, this they incite violence. Common sense, simple common sense. Out the club about three to the takeaway. The shit in a tray merchants. Shop's got a special perchant for the disorderly. Geezers looking ordinary and a few looking leery. Chips fly round to the sound of the latest chart entry. An incendiary waiting to blast. No arm with a contest who can throw the furthest. Behind the counter they look nervous, but carry on cutting the finest cuts of chicken from the big spinning stick. Then overflies a chip, flips, snitch you on the back. You spin round on the attack. Fuck you playing at. He looks like a Cheshire cat, almost falls down. Your frowns and Superman eye lasers don't even register. By now you wanna lever this twat. And forever you're gonna regret that, your choice of path. So mash his head up and your girl's now fed up. But stop to think and it's never gonna be the Jackie Chan scene it could have been to end up. Geezers need excitement. If their lives don't provide them, this they incite violence. Common sense. Simple common sense. So uh, for those who don't know, geezer is a British slang for a tough guy in a pub. Oh. Typically drunk and ready to fight. And um, and then the, the whole record is filled with these like fun, like fun vignettes. Like he gets out of the club at three in the morning and then he goes to a kebab shop and he almost gets in a fight. That's a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Oh, and the whole yeah. record is exactly like that. Like just these like little slices of life um, for that. And again, the thing that's super likable about it is that um, and, 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 and like I have no idea if it's authentic or not, but it's at least a different story. They're not like pretending that they're American and doing the American. Right. Stuff. right. Telling his own version of it. Totally. Lo- I and totally I love, love that. About I it. love the fact that he leans into his accent. His accent's one of the most compelling things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, And so is this pre or post Dizzy Rascal? This is pre, right? Pre, yeah. Yeah. Because I really like that look sharp record whatever that record's called from dizzy rascal and yeah this no stuff. this is so, basically this is the first british hip-hop act that really hits in yeah. england and then hits again in the u.s um i mean obviously the people were putting out records before that but this was the first one that charts in england and then they signed a bunch of people um and the the british hip-hop scene it's like basically the white guys and the african and Af- i was to african-american guys the white guys and the <laughs> jamaican guys and the african guys all actually kind of work together and it's a yeah. it's thing where it's like being miserable and poor in england is something that's open to all different races whereas like mm. it's so it's not uh eminem bc boy situation where the white acts are so different from the black acts in the u.s huh uh so jeff do you know this hip-hop yeah we just missed this this record blew up just after we were done studying in england or this would have been yeah. what we heard in the club you know we were still hearing uh the tail end of Britpop when we were going out. Um, but this would have been what was on if we'd been there another summer. I just love the fact that you picked Duran Duran and, and I, I bought the Andy Taylor solo record, which um, went with a movie. I don't know if you remember the movie American Anthem with gymnast Mitch Gaylord and Janet Jones. It was <laughs> oh a God. fine movie. Um, you, you, everything about and, that said can hurt my feelings. <laughs> As soon as you I, said Andy Taylor, I was starting to get injured, and then you just kept going. It kept getting worse. That was then, magical. That was a magical sentence of eight of nineteen eighty five. Come then, to life. Uh, you're talking about the streets. I I I bought the Wham Rap uh, album. I was all in on Wham Rap, and and could could probably rap it for you all right now. Well, um, I could I could I could do that. 
We covered that on the podcast. Yeah, I yeah. could do Adam and the Ants. You could. Mm. On the tracks and get right out, baby. Hi, hi, hi. So like. <laughs> You froze for a second, but you came right back in at the perfect time with the baby. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to bed, people. It is late. I am not choosing the electric light no! orchestra. Uh, Birmingham Blues will. That was plenty of ELO for me. I, I don't, was. I was ready I to talk about I the. Can't moon. believe that you didn't know. ELO. No. No. Um, Oh no! What's I mean, coming? Not only are they they beat Alaska, but they're also like a lot of strings, a lot of strings when it comes to ELO. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! So Do you know that they've now started to release uh, the the songs without the strings in their deluxe editions. So Showdown is now really listenable because it doesn't that, have that dun 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 like <laughs> discoy strings behind. That it, so. is exciting. Um, uh, Tim yes. Scott Schimmel's lovely wife Lisa Sorensen is a huge gigantic ELO fan and you broke her heart oh, you broke poor her thing. heart Does she's she... been waiting for someone to, to bitch slap me and convince me that ELO is good for years and, and she was hoping for you Tim I was nope. going to help you out I like uh, the second ELO record Kuyama which is an 11 minute classic track that I would... <laughs> oh yeah that sounds Wait. great you can distinguish the ELO records? Like, I oh, can't. Yeah. I mean, all okay. I know is there's a spaceship on the cover. That's all I remember. Um, I think you're thinking of Boston, too. What's that? <laughs> I said, I think you're thinking of Boston. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you got, no, my brother? ELO has spaceships. Uh, I, I'm i going with uh, one of my favorite singers, uh, Joan Armatrading, who was born in St. Kitts, but moved. Actually, she, she actually gets uh, sent to her grandmother's uh, at the age of two, as her parents moved to Birmingham, England. But then four years later, she joins them in England and grows up there. Um, and I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about her guitar styles in a little bit, Jeff Simons. She's got a 50-year career. She made 20 albums over those 50 years. Um, she even had a, a special on BBC not too long ago where she went and talked to different guitarists about their styles but we're going all the way back to, I think, 1976, Love and Affection from Joan Armatrading. And you got to go, you got to go like to a minute 20. So everybody just relax, chill out, get into the groove. I'm in need of but I soon just stick to those that I've done. With friends, I still feel so insecure. Little darling, I believe you can help me a lot. Just take my hand and leave me where you will. No conversation, no way.
That's the first time I've noticed that Gerber Love voice in the background of that I love song. that guy. So, uh, is, is this a new mix? I don't remember that being so uh, present before. Um, no conversations, no wave, good night. Ah, just get right to it, Joan. I love it. What do you guys think? I like Joan. I like, uh, there's a three-year period where I like Joan Armour training. I like show some emotion. She has a song called Rosie that I've always really liked. Her uh-huh. best, her best song though is, is not very well known. It's called Steppin' Out. And um, it's, if you want to talk about her guitar playing, that's one where she really, uh, well, I guess she kind of steps out, doesn't she? But uh, here, check this out. She gets a, she can, she can, she can play as they say. Um, you know, let me get it to the beginning so you can really hear what she's doing. Break your fence, let bring me down. I'm so uncertain. But it's my fault for letting you distract me. It's trouble now. I'm on the edge. Stepping out. I always prefer, like like Ben always says, John Armour Training Live is way better than John Armour Training on record. I, I actually feel like John Armour Training uh, was done done dirty by a bunch, a series of record producers trying to make her sound yeah. like the, yep, the yep. thing of the moment. When you see right, her on right. stage just playing and singing, she she can she can really dig it in. I, I do feel like she lost the thread. Like from like 1982 onward, there are not a lot of John Armour Training songs that really do much for me. But then she's got that beautiful, the first record was written with her partner. It's called Whatever's For Us Is For Us. And there's right. a couple of really beautiful songs on that record too. She uh, she taught herself how to play guitar. I love stories about that. Doesn't really know chords, just kind of plucks away. You know, she bought it at a, uh, a thrift shop. Her mother turned in an old bassinet and they got a guitar in exchange for it. Um, but yeah, in the eighties, like with um, what what's the song about the pilot? Drop the pilot. Yeah, drop the pilot. We get all sorts of very eighties keyboards coming. Oh yeah, out. it gets worse too. Like yeah. the mid eighties, like there's three or four records in a row that are just like Ben's worst nightmare. Just like like the keyboard <laughs> sound from Sledgehammer brought to brought to yeah. monstrous life over and over and over again. So. But there's something I really appreciate about her vulnerability because she's not um, she's not this great beauty. Um, I don't think there were people in England who were following her path um, or, or, or trailblazing for her. I think she's her own thing. Um, and I, I, I just love the fact that she'll get up on stage and be vulnerable with her audience. Are you sure that you're not just talking about yourself, Timmy? One of the things we love about you is your great vulnerability, despite not being a great beauty. It's just weird, though. <laughs> like it, a lot of people just assume uh, with my my Brad Pitt looks that I know I, I'm one way. And actually, I'm not. I'm you like shy. the guy in gross point blank who's like, I've got poems, pulls the poems out of his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Me too. <laughs> All right. Is it bedtime? No thoughts from Ben on Joan. You just taking a pass because you don't want to say you want to be mean for a whole hour. 
Oh, he's muted. More than happy to crush ELO. Going to just get, take a pass on crushing turn armor trading. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, what what uh, small English city are we headed to next, Tim? Do we get to leave or do we get to go to the capital? Well, like, listen, let's uh, move to London and then we can do general England and then we can move to... I'm happy to do Dublin. That's fine. I know we have to do Dublin for sure. Yes. But I, I don't want to do any more mid-sized cities. What about what Limerick? If- we could do Limerick. <laughs> Well, wait, wait, uh, but honest question. I don't know the answer to this. Does Liverpool need its own thing? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm Maybe happy not. to do a gas up in Liverpool and discuss the <laughs> oh, people wait. from... I'd, I'd rather do a gas up in Oxford and discuss Radiohead. Well, let's gas up in both, because what else is from Liverpool besides the Beatles and the... We people? really haven't talked a whole lot about the Beatles on this podcast, because that's we That's why don't... I'm happy to do a gas yeah. up, but I'm not going go to go to Liverpool and pick whatever band that's not the Beatles. <laughs> What's the uh, gas station, the most famous gas station in England? Where do they go to? It's not a Shell. It's not a Sunoco. What is it? It's a BP, isn't it? Oh, British Petroleum. That makes sense. We'll go to a BP and gas up. Great. By the way, it's $37 a liter. So bring your checkbook. (laughs) Don't worry. It's metric. It's cheaper. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wait. If we do a gas up, we're going to miss our chance to discuss Echo and the Bunnymen from Liverpool, or Jerry and the Pacemakers. So there's we're a right- lot of there's a lot of and those. Oh wait, hold on. Dead or Alive is from. Uh, oh, Liverpool. there we're go. missing out on the You Spin Me Right Round. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll discuss it over text. But okay. um, thank you to the listeners still in it with us after all this time. So fun to be doing this with you and appreciate any feedback you got for us on threads or Facebook. Are we reaching like a milestone number anytime soon? Like we should go live for number 150 unless we've already blown right past it. Uh, Well, I'll have to do math. I don't know. Okay. But we're closing in. We're closing in on 150 episodes. 150 ep- oh okay i was like we're well past yeah. listens we're well no, past no, 150,000 no. listens 150 listens yeah 150 <laughs> listens. <laughs> i mean ben's listened to like seven uh all right oh my god gentlemen talk to you later all right bye, bye. thanks friends bye-bye today is working for me do you believe that for yourself Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.